Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Welcome back to the Dirt Show. Before we get to the subject at hand, I want to rail against Alice Walker. Uh, Alice Walker, who wrote the book, The Color Purple, that has just been made into one of the most high-grossing um, films in, in the history of Christmas openings. Um, she's regarded as extremely popular and accepted. Her film was directed by Steven Spielberg. She is perhaps the most dangerous and most vociferous anti-Semite in America. She makes Kanye West seem like the head of the Anti-Defamation League. Uh, she has promoted books about Holocaust denial, about the protocols of the elders of Zion, um, using all kinds of uh, false information about uh, uh, Jews. Um, and she's never apologized. Kanye West at least made some vague, uh, unapologetic apologies. But Alice Walker is proud of her anti-Semitism. And it's not anti-Zionism, it's anti-Semitism. She talks about Jews. She promotes an anti-Semite uh, named... Um, David uh, Icky, David Icky um, talks about how the Talmud destroys America, how Jews destroy America, how the protocols of elders in Zion and the Rothschild family. It's just typical, horrible anti-Semitism. And its biggest supporter is Alice Walker. Now, she may be a good writer, it's not my style, but she may be a good writer. But can you imagine America Today accepting a great book, really good book, written by a member of the Ku Klux Klan, uh, written by a white racist. Great book. I mean, really, really touching about being brought up in the South in a racist family uh, and being beaten up and having parents who are drug addicted. Great, great book. But the end result is he says blacks are, and then I'm not going to mention it because it's so insulting. But he says about blacks uh, what what um, what Alice Walker and her friend David uh, Icky say about Jews. Nobody, nobody would direct such a film. Uh, nobody would promote such a film. Uh, but there's a double standard, and we're going to talk about the double standard. There's a double standard if you're black and you're an author, or you're a singer, or you're an entertainer. Uh, you can get away with it. You can get away with it. Uh, you can get away with something that nobody could get away with if they were uh, white and equally bigoted. And there's no justification for that double standard anywhere in the world. We're going to talk about double standards uh, today uh, in, in the broader uh, context. So the theme of today's show is that Muslim lives don't matter. They don't matter to Muslims uh, unless the Muslims' lives are taken by, by Israel or, 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 or by Jews. When's the last time you saw a dead baby uh, being held by a mother on television, a dead Muslim baby who was killed by another Muslim in Yemen, killed by, you know, the folks in Yemen who are terrorists who are now endangering American 
<clears throat> American um, um, uh, shipping. Uh, when's the last time you read about uh, or saw the picture of a Muslim baby uh, being killed in um, uh, in Darfur? Um, do you have any idea? Let's assume that the Hamas medical, whatever it is called, um, it's just a branch of Hamas that counts the dead without distinguishing between combatants and non-combatants. If, if Israel kills the head of Hamas, I wish they would, but they haven't. Uh, he would just be counted as another person dead. He'd be he'd be on the list. But let's assume that it's all true. Let's assume there are actually twenty two thousand people killed. Let's assume that half or even more are are, are civilians and their and their babies and their their mothers and and you see them in front of television and it's so 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 hard to watch. How does that compare to three hundred and thirty seven thousand? Muslims killed in Yemen, 337. Do the arithmetic. No, it's not 10 times more. It's more like 15 times more. That for every Muslim killed, many of whom are combatants, in, in Gaza, many of whom are used as human shields, there are 15 Muslims killed in, in Yemen, or 400,000 killed in, in Darfur. But even if one limits oneself to Palestinians, do you remember what Black September? That's when the Jordanian army went and started killing Palestinians and killed many, many of them. Uh, we don't know the numbers. The numbers have had tremendous uh, differences in estimates, ranging from 3,400 to 25,000. That gives you some sense of how inaccurate the numbers uh, uh, might be. But do you ever remember seeing a dead Palestinian baby killed by a Jordanian? Is there a difference between a dead Palestinian killed by an Israeli who was being used, the Palestinian as a human shield, and the death was completely inadvertent and accidental? Is there a difference between the dead baby killed by uh, an Israeli uh, rocket or a dead Muslim baby killed by a Yemen rocket or killed by a Darfur rocket or had their head cut off? by um, um, terrorists in, in Darfur, other parts of, of Africa. You know how many Muslims have been killed by Muslims? Um, uh, it, it's an infinitely larger number than the number of uh, Muslims who have been killed um, by Israel. As I've said before, virtually every Muslim, every Muslim who's killed by Israel in the Gaza it's the fault of Hamas for using them as human shields, for not allowing them to move out of harm's way, for firing from behind them. Uh, remember the, the cartoon in the back of my book. Um, it tells the whole story. This is um, obviously war against the Jews. Um, the cartoon shows an Israeli soldier um, protecting a baby carriage, standing in front of it, putting his life at risk to protect the baby. And it shows a Hamas fighter using the baby carriage to protect him as a human shield. That's not a made up cartoon. That's just an illustration of the reality of what's going on in Gaza today. That's not going on in Yemen. There are not groups using children as human shields. Children are being targeted. They were being targeted in Darfur. They were being targeted by Jordan. Uh, but you never see it. 
CNN, I don't remember CNN ever showing a dead baby that wasn't killed by Israel. What's wrong with this picture? What's wrong with the media portraying only dead babies and dead women who were killed by Israel, not caring about dead babies and dead women who were killed by other Muslims? Now, I don't want to make analogies, but let me relate it to another problem in America. The number of African-Americans who were killed by white policemen like Derek Chauvin uh, is, was accused and convicted of killing George Floyd. The number of such cases is infinitesimal, 0. 0.0000000. I can take the rest of the show. Compared to the number of African-Americans who kill African-Americans, um, probably in Chicago alone, uh, over a good weekend, good, horrible weekend, more African-Americans kill other African-Americans than all the combined cases involving white policemen killing uh, black uh, suspects or, or, or criminals, as it was the case with, with George Floyd. But the media doesn't care. So to the question, do black lives matter? The answer is no, not to many black people. It only only matter if they're killed by white people. And it can't matter that way if, if it only is conditional. Every black life is equally valuable. Whether a black child is killed by a stray bullet from a gang sitting on a stoop in Chicago or a stray bullet coming from a policeman, it doesn't matter. Uh, but it does matter to the media. When George Floyd was killed or died, that's still an issue that's very much in dispute medically and, and, and legally, although the case is, is over, uh, that caused a major reckoning. It was, I've said this before, one of the most transforming events of the 21st century. Um, it uh, resulted in DEI being introduced in universities around the country. It resulted in the death of academia in many, many places around the world. It resulted in massive, massive reverse discrimination and equity being substituted for equality and, and diversity excluding anything but skin color diversity um, and uh, inclusion excluding. Um, but it's part and parcel of the same problem. Uh, and the problem is, do the value of lives depend on who kills them? Or are lives inherently valuable and it really doesn't matter who kills them? Because when it depends on who kills them, then you're politicizing life and you're politicizing death and you're placing a different value on life depending on the political outcome and the partisan outcome and the religious outcome, and the ethnic outcome. And there's something very, very wrong with that. Uh, all lives should matter. Yeah, I said it. Call me what you want to call me. All lives matter. Black lives don't matter more than white lives. And black lives that are taken by black people do not matter less than black lives taken by white people. All Muslim lives matter. All Jewish lives matter. But, you know, when, when, when three Jewish hostages were tragically killed by Jewish 
IDF soldiers. It was as big a story, maybe even a bigger story, than if they had been killed by Palestinian terrorists because their lives mattered. Their lives mattered regardless of who killed them. They were killed by friendly fire and their lives matter. That was a big, big deal. It wouldn't have been a bigger deal if they had been killed by Arabs. The value of their life didn't depend on who fired the shot. And by the way, who fired the shot doesn't determine the legal guilt either. As I've said so many times, you take a hostage and the hostage uh, is killed by police fire. The policemen aren't responsible. It's the person taking the hostage. Hamas is responsible. So, you know, we can get into legal issues of how the taking of a particular life may differ uh, legally, depending on, on, on who did it. And there are differences. If you kill a policeman, for example, you get a harsher penalty than if you kill a non-policeman. Um, I think in New York, it's only first-degree murder if you kill a, a law enforcement official. or And in many other states, the same thing is, is true. There are special rules if you attack the elderly or if you attack based on racial and other considerations. So we do value lives sometimes a little differently depending on the circumstances. But it is just dead wrong to value only lives taken by Israelis in the, in the Gaza or white policemen in, in New York or Chicago or Minneapolis or Los Angeles. No, that, that's a different issue. Yes, we should deal with inequality in law enforcement. That's a different issue. Um, Professor Fryer at Harvard had a pretty good paper showing that, in fact, uh, there were no discernible differences between... Uh, the killing of uh, white uh, suspects and black suspects by policemen. That's an issue for a different day. But even if there were, that would be an issue that we would want to address separately. But the life of the person taken, whether taken by a policeman or taken by uh, a thug, uh, a gang, um, the value of the life should be deemed the same and the media should be covering it the same. But again, I challenge CNN, I challenge the New York Times, where are your stories about Muslims killing Muslims, about Arabs killing Arabs? When people talk only about who's dying in Gaza and don't talk at all about who's dying in Yemen, who's dying in Darfur, who died in Afghanistan, who died in Iraq, there's a word for that. It's called bigotry. It's a double standard. It's a symptom of anti-Semitism. You just can't do that and consider yourself a decent person. When you focus only on Israelis who in self-defense and after tremendous efforts to try to prevent collateral deaths, cause the deaths, cause in a physical sense, but not in a moral or legal sense, cause the death of human shields, it's a terrible tragedy, but it's no different morally from when Arabs kill Arabs and Muslims kill Muslims. We need to figure out a different way of reporting and calculating these matters, um, whether it be in the United States with Black Lives Matter or whether it be in uh, the Middle East with um, Muslim Lives Matter. Uh, uh, the dead baby strategy only works, only works. Hamas's policies only work because the media 
has a double standard of reporting. The media couldn't care less if an Arab kills an Arab or a Muslim kills a Muslim. They couldn't care less. If that rocket that came from Islamic Jihad and landed in the parking lot of the hospital killing, I don't know, 300 people, if that were the initial story, it wouldn't even have been covered by the newspapers. The only reason it was covered is because initially the blame was placed on Israel. That's a story. If Israel fired a rocket and killed a certain number of people, that's a story. But if Islamic Jihad fired the same rocket and it killed the same number of people in the same place at the same time, page 28, after the weather, it's not a story. It's bigotry. It's just bigotry. And it devalues the life of Muslims, just as the related situation in the United States devalues the lives of, of African-American people. When you don't report as extensively on African-American people killed by other African-American people, it's not, as, it's not as, as disturbing a story or disruptive a story. and It doesn't create tensions between races if it only is intra-race, but it's just as important. And it puts everything else in context. And so I call for a change in the New York Times standard of reporting. I call for a change in CNN standard of reporting. Devote equal time to deaths of Muslims and Arabs caused by other Muslims and Arabs as you do to deaths caused by Israeli fire, even though the deaths may be the fault. Now, you're going to hear the following response. I hear it all the time when I debate this. is, Oh, no, no, no. The only reason we report on Israel's killing is because Israel is supported by the United States. That makes it a, an American story. Throw you a challenge. Let's assume Israel doesn't get a single penny from America, not a single weapon. I hope that never happens. But if that were to happen, it wouldn't change a thing. That's an excuse. The fact that America and Israel are in an alliance together, that's an excuse. That gives the bigots a justification for saying, ah, that's why we focus on Israel. No, that's not why you focus on Israel. We, you focus on Israel because you're obsessed with Jews. You focused on Israel because Israel is the Jew among states. And the world has always focused on anything that Jews do. They're held to a higher standard. They're expected to behave uh, differently. Uh, sometimes people say that in a positive way. Oh, well, Jews, you know, we know they're so uh, this and that. They, therefore, we're going to hold them to their own standard. No, no, no. Believe me, we'll hold ourselves to our own standards. You don't have to hold us to a different standard. Indeed, you're not entitled to hold us to a different standard. The only people that are entitled to hold one group to a higher standard is that group itself. Otherwise, it's an invidious double standard. So, Shape up, New York Times. Shape up, CNN. Shape up other media, because I'm holding you to it. I'm going to hold your feet to the fire. I hope others will as well. If Black Lives Matter, and they do, then it doesn't matter who kills them. If Muslim Lives Matter, and they do, it doesn't matter who kills them. If Arab Lives Matter, and they do, it doesn't matter who kills them. If Jewish Lives Matter, and they do, it doesn't matter who kills them. That single standard must be applied in reporting, in moral analysis, and legal analysis. Let's see. Let's see. Heal thyself, media. Let's see if you can get it straight. I'm not holding my breath. All right, let's look at some letters. 
Uh, I cannot thank you enough, Professor Dershowitz, for your thoughtful words regarding the Christians in the Middle East and your term cultural genocide is absolutely true. Thank you also for your warm Christmas wishes. Well, I wish I could claim credit for cultural genocide. No, it's not, it's not my term, but it's a term that's used in the literature and in the law. It's a metaphor because it's not genocide. It's really a way of trying to eliminate uh, the influence of people. And we know that um, uh, the Muslim leadership, um, whether it be Hamas or the Muslim Brotherhood, or any time Muslims control uh, a nation, they get rid of the Christians. Uh, they get rid of the Jews, of course, um, but they get rid of the Christians too. Look at Lebanon, perfect example. It was a binational state. Remember, remember debating Noam Chomsky in 1970, and he's talking about oh, Israel should become a binational state. I said, yeah, like, <laughs> like, like successful Lebanon or successful India, Pakistan, or successful, and then I named six or seven <clears throat> other um, states that had been binational and had been broken up, uh, as in life, so in nationhood, a good divorce is much better than a bad marriage. And so India-Pakistan was good, and, and India-Pakistan division caused displacement of millions of people, and, and, and the same thing was true of other, other breakups. Lebanon obviously caused the displacement of so many Christians, um, you can count the number of Christians. Well, you have to go mostly to cemeteries to do it. The number of Christians who are still in, in, in Gaza, um, symbolically, they allow a, a few Greek Orthodox so they can come out on television and say, see, we're not Muslims and we think Israel's terrible too. Um, the same thing is true with the Copts, but uh, Copts, not Copts, C-O-P-T-S, um, basically Egyptian Christians and um, and the same thing is true in Bethlehem. Uh, a small symbolic number are allowed to stay to show, you know, how terrible Israel is. Uh, and the few remaining Christians, oh, we're not going to celebrate Christmas uh, because of Israel. No, you're not going to celebrate Christmas because there isn't even a minion uh, of Christians. You know what a minion means? Ten people to pray. Um, because Bethlehem has been, uh, 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 Christian Ryan has been uh, rid uh, the Muslim leadership has made it difficult for Christians to live openly. And in Iran, it's, it's a death penalty. Um, so uh, as I've said before, the only place that Christians thrive in the Middle East are Israel, is Israel, where the Christian churches are doing very, very well. Whenever I go to Israel, I visit Christian churches. I love to go to the Church, the church of the Sepulchre. It's one of the most beautiful spots in the world. I also try, and I have in the past, gone to the Dome of the Rock and to Al-Aqsa Mosque, um, you know, that that area in Jerusalem where all the faiths um, can be heard together, where you hear at the same time the call to prayer and the shofar and Christian calls. And and and, um, uh, and if you go to the Church of the Sepulchre, you hear different Christian sects uh, praying at the same time. It's, it's just a beautiful, beautiful melody, uh, cacophony of melodies but it shows how people can can live together. So yeah, it's tragic that there is so much cultural genocide against Christians uh, being taken place. And that would happen if there were ever a one-state solution. Uh, it would mean the end of Christianity, the end of Judaism, and in, in case of Judaism, the end of Jews. Um, 
Professor Dershowitz, why and how are you incapable of voting for the best person for the job and still insist you will only vote along party lines? I don't. I'll vote for the best person every time. I have in the past. I voted Republican. I voted for Bill Well. I have voted for other Republicans. I would imagine someday I could vote for Nikki Haley. Uh, I like her very much. I could vote for, for others in, in the Republican Party if they're better than the Democrats. All things being equal, I vote Democrat because the Democrat platform gay rights, uh, uh, um, um, uh, abortion rights, um, reasonable climate control, reasonable gun control, reasonable Supreme Court, separation of church and state. Those are all things I agree with. So I much prefer the Democratic um, platform over the Republican platform, but I'll generally vote for the most qualified candidate, the candidate who supports the values that uh, I most support. Um, I am not an official member of the Democratic Party. Um, I have no uh, party membership or affiliation. I'll always vote for the best candidate right now. Uh, I will vote for Joe Biden. I think Joe Biden is doing a credible job on many issues and not doing such a good job on other issues. Uh, but uh, right now he is uh, uh, the least worst of the candidates, and uh, I plan to vote for him. And you should vote for whoever you want, but please stop telling me who to vote for. It's, it's in America, we have the right to vote for who we believe is the best candidate. And uh, uh, that's who I will vote for. I'm happy to hear your views, but um, I'm gonna vote for the candidate I think is best. How much is APAC paying you to shill for Israel? No, it, it goes the opposite way. I contribute to APAC. APAC doesn't uh, pay me. You're the dirty, bitch that wanted to force vaccine us never wanted to never wanted to it's not true you got nerve coming here coming here from where my family's been in america since 1889 more than half the life of this country i'm as american as any mayflower descendant uh and i've done as much for america as anyone so don't start lecturing me about coming here i'm here and i'm here to stay uh how many times did you fly on the Lolita Express? Never. <laughs> I never was on any of Jeffrey Epstein's planes with anybody who was uh, young or even close to being below age. Of course, I was his lawyer. And with the legal team, we flew on his plane, just lawyers. Um, and um, we did our job. We argued for him. That's what lawyers do. I flew commercially sometimes. I flew on the plane other times, but I never did anything improper. Uh, nor have I been accused now of being having done anything improper. The only person who, who ever accused me is now acknowledged that she um, may well have misidentified me uh, for someone else. So that's behind me. But, you know, you can use Epstein. You can use Yolita. If you don't have a better argument, uh, come up, maybe come up with a better argument. Uh, uh, but that argument's not going to wash. Okay. Um, there is a beautiful Christian community in Haifa. I know I visited. I've been to Christian churches in Haifa. Uh, Arabs, Jews, and Gentiles coming together in the knowledge of God's love for his creation. It's so interesting because the, the Arabs of Haifa, for the most part, didn't leave in 1948. They were not victims of the self-imposed Nakba. You know that the Arab leaders urged the Arab residents of the newly formed state of Israel to leave and promised them they would come back victorious after the genocidal war that uh, the Arabs were conducting and planning to conduct against Israel. But the Jews of, uh, the, the Arabs of Haifa mostly didn't leave and they've remained and they've remained important 
uh, citizens make major contributions to the city, to the Technion, which is a university just outside of Haifa, to the University of Haifa, and other places. Haifa is a wonderful city. The Arab restaurants in Haifa are absolutely remarkable. I love, I love, I love to go there. A short story. Uh, Jimmy Carter describes a dream where he, John Kennedy, and Martin Luther King are talking to God. JFK asked God, will the day come when the Soviet Union and the Western world live together? God says, uh, yes, John, but not in your lifetime. Martin Luther King, will there be a time when all races live together? God says, yes, Martin, but not in your lifetime. Uh, Jimmy Carter asks, will there be a time when Jews and Muslims live together in peace? God says, yes, Jimmy, but not in my lifetime. Um, uh, we hope that's not true. There would be... Uh, a real opportunity to have peace. The Palestinians would only um, express a willingness to live in peace. I had dinner with Abbas, the head of the Palestinian Authority, and I said to him, if you will say the following words, I recognize Israel as the nation state of the Jewish people. I will call my friend Bibi Netanyahu and, and get him to agree to a two-state solution. I don't know if I could do that or not, but it never came to that because uh, Abbas said no, he couldn't. He couldn't say that, and until that said, there won't be there won't be a peace. Um, all right, uh, let's see if there's time for one more. Oh yeah, this is about self enforcement of the Fourteenth um, Amendment to the Constitution. A good question. Um, what about the equal protection and due process clauses of Section One? Can state courts enforce these provisions, or is it only Congress? Well, Congress has the primary responsibility of defining and enforcing, but you know, equal protection is a general broad term. Um, the same thing is true with due process. But when it comes to disqualification for running for president, that requires procedural safeguards. Who determines if there's been an insurrection? Who defines insurrection? That's not self-defining. That has to be defined by Congress. Well, it has to be defined by someone. Colorado says, no, 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 we can define it. And that's what they did. The Colorado District Court and the Colorado Trial Court in a four to three decision said it's up to us, Colorado, to define what insurrection means and to create procedures for determining whether an insurrection occurred. It is inconceivable that the framers of the 14th Amendment would have allowed so important a decision to be relegated to Virginia, South Carolina, Alabama, and Mississippi, which just fought against them in the Civil War. Of course, it was allocated only to Congress, and only Congress can make that decision. And that's why the Supreme Court should unanimously, should, I didn't say would, unanimously strike down the Colorado Supreme Court decision as completely inconsistent with Article 5 of the 14th Amendment. Uh, have a good week. Do not go to see Alice Walker's uh, a, a movie, um, uh, I would urge you, or if you go, ask yourself the question, would you go to a movie, a good movie, if it were written by a white uh, racist uh, who uh, said terrible, terrible things about black people and endorsed the book written by somebody who was a virulent, virulent racist. If you wouldn't go to that movie, don't go to this movie. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, 
you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.